With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. That noise you could hear in the background is Leicester. That's where I am this week, of course, with the British Open. And uh, by the time you hear this, uh, the first day's play will be done. So you're sort of listening... I guess in the future you will know uh, who's done what, what the results are from day one. Let's hope it was a good day. Uh, let's start on a positive note for a change. Um, <laughs> Dave Gilbert, fantastic uh, performance by him to win the Championship League. Uh, a trophy at long last for him. It's been coming and coming, but you know, you're never quite sure when players knock on the door if it's ever going to open for him. Well, it has done, and uh, he played well. That tournament, I don't care what anyone says about that tournament, it's hard to win because the matches are short, and also being a league format, of course... You know, you, you are sometimes depending on other results. But Dave played 10 matches over the course of the event and he won nine of them and he played really well. Mark Allen seemed to be playing the best snooker of the last day, but Dave beat him in the final. Uh, the Championship League carries ranking points and so he's a ranking event winner and every credit to him. I don't know how he views it compared to the tournaments where he lost in the finals because, of course, they were a lot of them were big money knockout events. But if you follow Dave... On social media, you'll have observed that he's very happy with his trophy, as he should be. You know, he's he's one of those players who everyone kind of likes. He's very uh, down to earth, self-deprecating. Sometimes I think in a sort of quite over the top way uh, compared to his ability, which is huge. Very nice player to watch. Um, he was on Talking Snooker podcast a couple of weeks ago now, and they did a great interview with him, which is absolutely the essence of who Dave is as a person. You know, there's no BS with Dave. He's very much just tells you as he sees it. And it's one of the nice things about snooker, we've said this before on the podcast, that the players are very relatable. And, you know, he's had a proper job. He was a farmer working for his, his dad's forestry business. Um, and he appreciates very much, very much the opportunities that he has right now in the game and the living he's able to make from it. And that's the thing about this. So he's earned 33000 for winning the tournament. But in reality, it's going to be worth a lot more. He's in the champion of champions, he'll be in the World Grand Prix, good chance to get in the Players' Championship. And being in those events, possibly the Tour Championship, uh, in terms of his world ranking, he's gone up four places to 19. So if he continues on that trajectory, that's not an easy word to say, <laughs> he'll get in the Masters, possibly the Crucible. So suddenly something that's worth 
on paper 33,000, in reality at least 50, could be worth at least 100 grand to him. And this could revitalise you know, his whole career. He didn't enjoy last year in the lockdown. But the main thing is he got a trophy. And that's, you know, that's what he's taken away from that event, the knowledge that he can win tournaments. And it'd be interesting to see, remember Ryan Day, was he had that tag, best player not to win a ranking event. Uh, he won one, and then pretty soon after, he won another one. And he's since won a third. So, you know, let's see if Dave uh, can do the same tough match against Matthew Stevens' first round of the British Open. Um, the mantle, I guess, passes now. Not a mantle necessarily you want, although it's a compliment of sorts. Best player not to win a ranking event to Jack Nazowski. Jack didn't enter the Championship League. I've no idea why. I'm not sure... He's really in uh, sort of the, the the status of player who can afford to skip events, but he did, and that's obviously his free choice. Um, be interesting to see how his season pans out because uh, if he misses out on the top sixteen by you know a couple of thousand, he might look back and think I should have played in that. But anyway, uh, we'll follow uh, his progress with interest. I do think Jack will win something, um, but we'll see. We'll see when it is. Um, so congratulations to Dave Championship League uh, I think was the ideal event to start the season with because it was sort of low key but for the players one thing that I think really was an advantage was you were guaranteed three matches so you didn't just turn up play a match and you know if you lose you go home they were guaranteed three matches a day uh, getting back into it after all you know the, the, the sort of summer break I remember a lot of these players hadn't played since April since the world qualifying it's quite a long time and, you know, the standard was, was variable. There was some really good snooker played. Um, some players struggled, but uh, I think it was good a good way to ease back into the season. 21 days on free sports as well. The snooker that they show is the highest rating sport that they show all year. And that includes Spanish football and all sorts of other things. So they're delighted with snooker. And away from the sort of twitter arty knocking it, actually, the general public who just turn on the telly and watch snooker without going online to moan about everything, loved it. So good luck to them. I'm sure we'll see plenty more snooker on free sports. The Championship League, uh, the, the invitation version is, is planned for next year. So I'm sure that will come around and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I'm going to stay positive actually, because <laughs> in a departure for me, because um, I want to mention uh, again, Phil Hague in the Metro has done an interview with Jason Ferguson, and I was sort of complaining last week, remember I mentioned Jamie O'Neill's suspension that was dressed up as, as a withdrawal, and I kind of said, uh, you know, that they should have been, World Snooker Tour should have been more, um, well, honest about what had happened. To be fair to Jason, he addressed it directly in that interview, and a lot of other things as well, and this is what we need, we just need accountability, and Jason was a player, um, but if he's been on this podcast, if you've heard him, you know that he can talk very, very well and represent the sport very, very well and a range of issues were discussed. So I recommend checking that out on the Metro Online because uh, he answers a lot of points. And one of them is about the Turkish Masters. Now, last week it was announced that uh, this new ranking event is going to be uh, postponed until later in the season. I think people saw it coming with the travel restrictions around COVID. It always sort of seemed unlikely it would take place in September. It's now been scheduled for March. We'll see. Hopefully we'll be able to go there then to Antalya. But originally, so July the 11th, it was the day of the Euro football final. So a lot of people's, certainly in England's, attention was caught on that. But Will Snooker Tour put a story up, essentially listing the prize fund for Turkey, which is substantial, 100 grand first prize. But uh, they also said in that that they were planning to, if t the Turkish event could not happen, they were planning to run an event in Barnsley um, instead. So the players, I guess, had that... Uh, 
security that, OK, if we can't go to Turkey, we'll have a, a direct replacement event in Barnsley. Uh, the, this is what they said. So this Rolf Kalb made a note of this at the time, and he, he kept this screenshot, which I'm now going to read. He said, if for any reason we're not able to host the tournament on these dates, we intend to postpone the event to dates to be confirmed later this season, like to be March. In this instance, we plan to stage a different ranking event in Barnsley from September the 27th to October the 3rd. But last week, when the tournament was postponed, there was no mention of this direct replacement event, even though players had it on their calendars and it had been, as I say, it had been announced. And uh, I thought that was a bit odd, so I, I sort of contacted them and said, oh, yeah, we, we don't feel it's commercially viable. Now, that's fine. They're a commercial company. You know, they don't want to lose a fortune. But I think they owe it to the players to tell them that. It's the same thing as I've been saying about the British Open format, Jamie O'Neill and now this. Just communicate with people. So this is why I was pleased to see Jason. He did address this. He actually explained, yeah, we, we, at this stage, we don't feel it's the right thing to do. No problem with that at all. But tell people. Um, all this sort of secrecy is no good at all. I've been working with Matrim for the last four weeks on the Championship League. They are the opposite. They'll tell you things if you ask them uh, directly. They don't try and cover things up. Um, and I think that's, that's the best way to be. I'm not saying everything should be revealed to people, but what annoyed me was... When that story went up and the press release went out, I went back. A player said to me, "Oh, there's, they, there's going to be a tournament in Barnes, isn't there?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, they they did announce that. I'll show you the original story." And on the original story, that's been edited. The website's been edited, and that line has been deleted. That line about Barnes has been has been deleted, and I find that frankly a bit sinister. Um, just it's almost like, oh no, it never happened. You know, that's that's no good, is it? You know, come on, guys. Anyway. Positivity is what we <laughs> is is our watchword this week. So um, I'm going to move on. It's going to be a short podcast uh, because you know we're knee deep in the British Open. Um, but we had a question here, Anthony Fitzpatrick. Um, thanks for your question. He says, "Love the podcast." My question this week is: As the new season kicks off with the British Open, what players outside the top sixteen would you like to see do well this season? Well, you know, I, I obviously have to be... Thanks, Anthony, for the question. I obviously have to be uh, impartial, which I am. When I comment on snooker, I genuinely don't care who wins and loses because I'm just focusing on, on my own performance rather than cheering anybody on. That's not what it's about. However, there are players I'd like to see do well. I'm going to name three, and they're all the sort of different kind of uh, stages, I suppose, of their career. The first... We need, we need young players to do well, clearly. We need new faces, new talent coming through. One player I'd like to see do well is Jackson Page from Wales. Uh, he dropped off the tour at the end of last season, got on again through Q School immediately, which is, is tough. I was talking to Mark Williams about this uh, at the Championship League because he's a mentor to Jackson. And he said, you know, he himself was was a bit concerned for him going to Q School if he did not got through. You know, it would have been a massive knock to sort of take a year off the circuit. But he got back on and that's great. And he may well flourish now. Um, we've seen this before, people like, Sean Murphy, Neil Robertson, Karen Wilson, who are now all big hitters, they all uh, dropped off the tour initially um, after turning pro and had to, uh, in some cases, take a couple of years to get back on. Now, Jackson's got back on immediately, but it may be that, you know, he's still only young, he's only, what, 20? So it may be that it's kind of, I'm not going to say done him a favour, but he may see things differently and be a bit more determined now. He's learnt sort of the ropes a little bit being on the tour, had some good results, taken a few knocks as well. Um, but it may be that coming back on, he now will solidify his position. I hope so. I'd love to see someone like that do well. Obviously, he's from a 
very strong area for snooker in Wales. They need new faces. Um, they can't rely on Mark and, and Matthew Ryan Day forever. So, yeah, I'd like to see him do well. Absolutely. At the other end of the scale, Ken Doherty. Now, Ken, obviously, you know, he's had a great career. And, you know, he got, if, he do, if he never wins another match, he will still have had a great career. But the thing about Ken is he, he's just oozes class in everything he does as a player, um, engaging with fans, as a media pundit. You can do anything, you know, at the Championship League. He was studio pundit, he was a commentator, he did an interview with Mark Allen at the end. He could do it all. And for what he's contributed to the sport, for what he's given to the sport, I know he still considers himself first and foremost as a player, which I think is great after all these years. We were chatting last night, we went for a meal with the ITV guys and you know, on the way back, we, he was just talking about the old pro-am days, the excitement that he, that he had in those days, and it's never left him. And you've got to respect that. And anyone who has been so positive about the sport and contributed to the sport as much as him, of course you want to see him do well. So I'd love to see Ken get a few results. It, at his age, I mean, he's in his early 50s now, it's unlikely to be returned to the top 16 or anything like that. But wouldn't it be great if he had a real run in a tournament or got to the Crucible again or something like that? That'd be I know what that would mean to him. So... Definitely Ken as well. And the third player I'm going to mention um, is my new commentary buddy, Stephen Hallworth. Now, Stephen, um, at the Championship League, and I think this worked really well, players were asked by Matchroom, would you like to do some commentary? And a lot of them put their names forward. There weren't enough slots for everyone, but a sort of list was was chosen. And Stephen was on that list, and he came and did a day and was brilliant. Um, really interesting. Uh, he, he said, you know, he's really interested in the media, and, and it's clear that he thought about how he was going to do it and sort of studied maybe how other people had done it and, and thought, OK, this is how I'm going to approach it. And what I liked about it was, obviously, you know, like any player, he understands the game, but he approached it from his position in the game, which is as a relatively young professional, really still starting out, finding their way, and saying that he wanted to learn from watching the other players and wanted to kind of, you know, look at the way certainly top players approach things and try and incorporate that into his game bit of a thinker I think he's also got an interesting story he plays on an RAF base that's where he practices because his dad was in the military um, we must mention the plough the pub he works in as well um, in Lincolnshire because that's uh, a big snooker pub apparently snooker's always on the take TV there and just a nice guy very interesting guy and what happened was because he impressed the match room and, and us all so much he came back to do several more days he was in vision um, in the arena as well doing punditry towards the end uh, just a nice guy and you want to see again people like that doing well you know he's got a good positive outlook on snooker and uh, yeah I was uh, I was on board very much uh, with him as a commentator and again he wants to concentrate on playing so as I record this he's actually playing now in the British Open so I don't <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go for him but uh, yeah I'd like to see him do well now this doesn't mean of course I'm going to cheer against any of their opponents it doesn't work like that but yeah I'd like to see those three do well Jackson Page Ken Doherty and Stephen Haworth, and uh, you know I will uh, I will follow their progress with great interest. We've had an email from Aidan Dullaheri, whose name I've almost certainly pronounced incorrectly, um, but thank you, Aidan, for getting in contact. He says, uh, "I realised earlier this year during lockdown that despite listening to many sports podcasts, I wasn't listening to a dedicated snooker one at all. I started watching snooker in 1997 when I was 10." I watched a lot of it over the years, but for some reason I watched a bit less in the middle part of the last decade. I really got back into it in 2019. 
just jump it in. This seems to be a common thing, actually. I mean, Dave Tyndall, our regular correspondent, kind of went away from snooker. A lot of people have come back to it recently. I think, I think it's worth thinking about that, actually, and, and I'll, I'll get on with Aidan's email in a minute, but I, I do think possibly just the, the, um, the more free-to-air coverage has made a difference, like ITV, definitely, and Quest, and Free Sports, I've mentioned, BBC, of course. Seems to be, it seems to be more um, accessible now, snooker. Obviously, Eurosport as well, for people who have that. There's great chances to watch the snooker now, and maybe this is how people have got back into it, stumbled across it, and you know, rekindled their love for it. Anyway, he says, I really got back into it in 2019 or so, and went to my first live tournament in January 2020, the Masters at Alexandra Palace. Not being UK-based didn't help at all. I was at the venue for the other major sport on there over Christmas, so I knew I'd love it there. He's talking about darts, of course. It was amazing. I really loved it. Won't ever forget it. Then I saw Steve Davis and Dennis Taylor 10 days or so after that at an exhibition in Cork here in Ireland, where I'm from. It was the last majority thing I went to before lockdown one. Snooker was amongst the first sports to return behind closed doors after the first wave of lockdown, and boy, was I glad to see it. As I say, it was only this year that I noticed that I'd not been listening to any snooker podcasts. I happened to stumble across your podcast on my podcast app. It is one of the very few available on my app of choice. I'm so delighted that I did stumble across it. What you do is so interesting and informative from what I, what I gather with very little money. Well, you, you, you got that right, Aidan. You can tell from the production. Uh, he says, you really get the balance right between looking at the past and the current season's news and reactions to what's just happened. Uh, I have a ticket bought to go to the World Championship next April. It's been a huge ambition of mine to get to the Crucible. I can't wait to see it. It's definitely a major bucket list item of mine ticked. Hopefully it'll work out and COVID won't cause any more restrictions next year or no more problematic variants emerge. I like your motto of wanting to grow the game. That one extra thing I'd like to see you talk about is the women's game and trying to promote the growth of that. I don't expect you'll talk about it every episode by any means, but it would be good to do so around times their tournaments are on with contributions from others if possible, as I'm aware they have a less packed calendar. Is this something you consider doing on occasion? Also, given the week we're in, I still don't get why snooker and cue sports generally are not in the Olympics, given some of the things that are. Like skateboarding, not skateboarding. Nothing against that being there as such, but don't understand why snooker isn't also there. Uh, it doesn't look like they will be there soon either, even with the push they made for 2024. Maybe this is something you want to discuss for even half an episode. Well, anyway, Aiden, yeah, he carries on a little bit, but uh, thank you very much for the kind comments. Uh, on on the Olympics, I mean, this is kind of a, a, an ongoing issue. You're right, they went and did a presentation in Paris. I think Sean Murphy went, and all the cue sports went together. So you've got snooker, pool, carom billiards, English billiards, all the, all the different sort of, well, not all of them, but most of the major cue sports. Um, I think it was unlikely for Paris. Snooker is not a French sport, really. Um, I think it was unlikely to get in. Where are we after that? Los Angeles, I think it's very unlikely. Brisbane, well, not impossible, but again, unlikely. Um, I think snooker does suffer from not being an athletic sport. Some of the new sports you mentioned, skateboarding, for example, BMX and all that, obviously is aimed at youth market. And they always say at the end of the Olympics, you know, the youth of the world will gather at the next one. It's always about kind of you know, young people getting into sport. So I think snooker is at a disadvantage. A lot of people say, well, why do we need to be it anyway? Well, what it would give is a huge international profile to snooker. And as Eagle Figueredo said, I think I mentioned this the other week, 
um, it would be an access to funding for players from various countries that don't get any. So I think it would be a positive thing. I can't see it happening in the next decade, frankly. Um, I just can't see it happening. Uh, I think chances were missed by previous administrations, certainly around Beijing. I mean, when China was at the height of the snooker boom, um, you know, 15 years ago, that was a chance there. London 2012, um, actually a possible chance there. But anyway, it didn't happen. I think they introduced a new, a new sailing class or something, which maybe says something about the sort of British sport and class and all the rest of it. But anyway, I, I can't see it happening in the, in the immediate future. But... Uh, Let's see where we are in a few years' time. On on your point about women's snooker, well, of course, there haven't been any events. Uh, they've just had one recently, actually, so the women's game is coming back. And we should congratulate women's snooker on their 40th anniversary at the end of July. It's 40 years since women's snooker was founded. Uh, Mandy Fisher was a, a huge um, driving force behind that and has been in the four decades decade since. She's now president. So, yeah, I'm sure uh, we can address women's snooker in the future and uh, hopefully speak to Rianne at some point as well. Of course, she's now um, on the tour as well and, uh, you know, trying to make that crossover to the professional game, not easy, a lot of attention on her, particularly, obviously, on her first match in the British Open. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll catch up with, uh, with all of that. And, of course, it's good to see the women's game coming back round, the amateur game as well, starting up again. It's a sign that... Hopefully we're starting to kind of move on a little bit and, and, and get back to playing. So the season is underway. It kind of doesn't come to a grinding halt, but in terms of tournaments, of course, because of the Turkish move and no replacement event after the British Open, there won't actually be a tournament until October, the Northern Ireland Open. It's very difficult, uh, obviously, uh, at the moment, planning-wise. It's hard to get venues at the last minute, so, you know, it, it's, it's understandable, but it's a little bit of a full start. We've got we've had two ranking events, and then we'll have... No more until October, but then, of course, it does really ramp up and there'll be a lot of snooker to be played. Uh, before then, though, and it's been a short podcast this week, before then, I am uh, taking a little holiday, so uh, I won't be with you for a while. Um, try, try and cope, everybody. <laughs> um, but uh, there'll, be, there'll be qualifying action to watch and, and obviously, you know, thing, things will happen off table, I'm sure. Uh, you can email us, though, snookerscenepodcast at mail.com. That's snookerscenepodcast at mail.com. Hope everybody enjoys the British Open, um, and we'll see how it goes. I think one thing Jason Ferguson said in that in that article that I certainly agreed with is that the, the test of any new format, and he admitted he wasn't necessarily a fan of the best of fives, having been a player himself, but the test of any format really is the public, public reaction to it, not beforehand, but, after, but during the event and afterwards. And... You know, if viewing figures are good, if live audiences are good, then I guess it will be judged a success. And, you know, that ultimately, for a commercial operation, which professional snooker is, that ultimately is the goal. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I hope it's a good week. I hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, I'll be back at some point, I hope. Um, but until then, stay safe and keep watching the skies, whatever that means. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.